The GameCube Was Cool podcast is a recorded and produced show from Toronto, Canada. If you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash thegamecubewascool to find our $1 and $5 a month tier. Special thank you to our Patreon supporters at the $5 or above level for the month of July. I Rebel, Jim McKay, Dan Wagner, Kirsten Cardinal, Jed Winters, Christopher Valenz, and Joey Sirico. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 60 of the GameCube Was Cool podcast. If you've been listening to us for a while, you know the drill by now. When we have a lot of games to cover in an episode, I read the back of the cases beforehand so we don't have to read them during the show in order to maintain a decent flow between Mike and myself. So if you want to skip ahead a few minutes to the start of the show, I totally understand. But if you want to hear me read the back of the cases for a bunch of superhero games, we'll get started right now. But first, Victor, hit us with that sweet jingle. It's time to read what's on the back of the case. There's things written on the back of the case. Let's read them. And now we're reading the back of the case. First up, we have Superman Shadow of Apocalypse. This is a job for Superman. Devastating weapons from the planet Apocalypse have fallen into the hands of supervillains. Only Superman has the power to thwart their insidious plot to take over the world. Then we have Hulk. Unleash the Fury. Following the events of the blockbuster Universal Pictures film, troubled scientist Dr. Bruce Banner and his enraged alter ego, the Hulk, battle the leader, a terrifying villain intent on unleashing a relentless army of gamma creatures on the world. Then we have Aquaman. Rumbles of revolt stir amongst the populace. Old enemies resurface, united in one goal, the complete destruction and ruin of Atlantis and Aquaman. Take control of the legendary hero Aquaman with all his powers and skills. Warrior, general, and guardian of Atlantis, you are Aquaman, the hero. Next up, Spawn, Armageddon. The countdown to Armageddon has begun. For countless millennia, angels and demons have been preparing for the final battle between good and evil, and the time has finally come. The angels have declared war by blasting a hole straight through New York City and into the demon realm. Now, demons are spilling out onto the Earth's surface. Can Spawn save himself and humanity from certain annihilation? Next we have Judge Dredd. You are the law. Welcome to Mega City 1, a city of over 400 million people, every one of them a potential criminal. It is the third decade of the 22nd century, that's a weird way of saying it, and employment is widespread, boredom is universal, and only the judges can prevent total anarchy. Take on the role of the most feared and respected of all the judges, Judge Dredd, as he attempts to overcome the sudden outbreak of vampires in the city. This is taking a weird turn. Could this be the work of the malevolent Dark Judges? You'll have to play the game to find out, because next game we have here is Catwoman. Stalk from the shadows of the rooftops to command the cityscape below. Halle Berry is Catwoman. I don't know about that. Whip into action to conquer your enemies and dominate your surroundings. Combine fluid kicks and flips to unleash Catwoman's explosive style. And then we have Fantastic Four. Harness the power of four. Awesome powers. Insane co-op gameplay. Game Informer said that. Master an arsenal of superpowers. Relive the movie action and more. Fully destructible environments. Combine scorched strength, stealth, and strike powers against Doctor Doom and other classic villains. Two-player co-op mode. One spectacular accident changes four humans into the world's most unique team of superheroes. Mr. Fantastic, Invisible Woman, The Human Torch, and The Thing. And last but not least, we have The Incredible Hulk, Ultimate Destruction. Experience the freedom to lose control. Time is running out. The search for a cure is intensifying. Your only chance for survival is to fight, to destroy, to unleash the Incredible Hulk. 
intuitive and instantly enjoyable, with a focus on free-roaming GTA-style missions. GamePro said that. Ah, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to another Back of the Case segment. Once again, I really do enjoy making these, and I really appreciate the support that everyone gives the show on a weekly basis. Now, without further ado, I'm going to pass the microphone over to Mike and Neil. Boys, take it away. The GameCube GameCube. was cool. Hosted by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. Mike, it is hot as heck today, man. I think uh, Toronto's going through a bit of a heat wave right now. True fact, this is the first episode that I'm going to record completely shirtless. Ooh, that's yeah. nice. Yeah, cameras aren't on for this podcast, <laughs> but uh, picture a, a white, skinny-ish uh, dude in his bedroom uh, with uh, no shirt on, and I'm still sweating. It. My room gets so hot, dude. What are you wearing, Neil? Nothing at all. Nothing at all. Just cargo shorts and uh, <laughs> underwear, and that's really I'm not even wearing socks. Not even wearing just, socks. Wow. Feels weird wearing headphones with uh, no shirt on. I must <laughs> My bedroom window is wide open. Kids walk by here all the time, so this must look weird for parents. Nice. Good start. Good start yeah, to the cool. episode here. Great start. Great start. One year in, I'm getting a little more comfortable. One year in, but 20 years in, Neil, is Jimmy Eat World's Bleed American, uh, oh. which is one of my favorite albums. I know one of yours as well. It's a... It's. It's such a banger of an album. The middle and sweetness are the songs that I would say most people know from that album. But uh, it's I'd say almost every track is is a good song. Other than Your House, which we prefer the 2007 version way yeah. better. Yes, I was going to say, uh, when you, you mentioned to me that this album actually turns 20 years this year, I thought, holy crap. And then uh, <laughs> the first thing that came to my mind was, how many movies do you think the middle has been in? I would love that if, if there's a fact there. Almost every single early 2000s movie, like a rom-com, teenage, high school movie, had the middle in it. Yeah. Everybody knows that song. That's like the Jimmy World song. You're right, though. I was listening to this album today when I was out on a walk at lunchtime, and Your House is, I hate that song. Like, every other song on this album is such a banger. Like, yeah. like it starts off, it's one of the the hardest hitting first tracks on an album ever with Bleed American. That's the title title track. Just that first like riff is just unbelievable and it's <laughs> such a good chorus. And then it goes right into Praise Chorus, mm-hmm. which is another good song. And then the middle, it's like three really powerful songs. And then Your House just kind of breaks it for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then it goes back into it with Sweetness, which is a great song. Hear You Me is actually my favorite song on the album. I know that that's like yeah. a bit of a, it's like a sappy kind of ballad song, but yeah, I love it. It's a great song. It's a great one. I love that one. But Wow, that's unbelievable. 20 years. And you've you've seen Jimmy Eat World Live, haven't you? I have, yeah. Yeah, funny yeah. story with that, too. Uh, it was me, friend of the show, Marty, and of course, uh, uh, radio announcer Victor here, mm-hmm. uh, who just uh, led us into this episode. We went to see Jimmy Eat World, and the the crowd wasn't great and mm-hmm. they clearly there was clearly like a good 50% who were there just because of the middle, and then the Got rest it. were actually Jimmy Eat World fans. Mm, okay. And uh, we were, you know, Bleed American comes on. And of course, we are going to start a mosh pit if there's not one already. Of course. Because that, like you said, that opening riff yeah. is killer. It's the <laughs> hardest hitting song of the album. Like, it's kind of funny how that album starts, like a really heavy song. And then the rest of the album really isn't that. <laughs> yeah, I know. Maybe the middle and sweetness are pretty high, high tempo songs, but mm-hmm. the rest are very much ballady or like slow. Yeah. And yeah. so obviously we want to take advantage of that, that energy. <laughs> and uh, we, you know, we're going uh, up there and uh, everyone's pushing each other around. We're starting the pit and there's a, bu- a bunch of people who are right, you know, basically at the stage and you you know, if anyone's ever been to a concert, they know that 
if you're choosing to be in that front line of the stage in the pit, your mm-hmm. your life is like that's what your life is going to be getting squished constantly. Oh yeah, I hate it when like people standing close to the front of the stage get annoyed at people moshing. Well, like, that's you know, what happened in this standing, in this scenario. If you're standing four people back center stage, you're in the death zone at that point. And like, <laughs> you've got your camera up, you're expecting to film that show. Like dream dream on. You're not going to be filming that show. You're going to get destroyed if you're going to stand there. So there was Especially a girl who was a, standing there yeah. and uh, who was getting hit by people and. Uh, she, and, and she asked us, she was like, oh my God, what are you guys doing? Have you ever been to a concert before? <laughs> and Victor just immediately was like, "It's like, this is a mosh pit. You yeah. decided, you know, <laughs> there, there, there's two, there's two, there's two views though. Of like when you go to a concert, what that means, like for some people, it does mean just standing there either watching or like filming it like an idiot filming the entire show. Like there's that, there's that group of people. And then there's groups of people like us who maybe take one picture of the show to like a grainy picture to post on Instagram later. And that's mm-hmm. it. Uh, but, and that's where we stand. Like we're in the, we're in the side where we're just going to watch it. We're going to listen. We're going to mosh. But then there's other people that are there to literally watch and leave the show. Not sweaty, but yeah. I just like you, you, you should know if you've been to a concert before where it's standing room only, you should know that if you're up against the stage, mm-hmm. like that's that's the danger sound. Jimmy Eat World is another like dangerous band to go to as well because you don't know what audience you're going to get no. because their songs do vary between like very, you know, hard hitting songs like the middle and then very soft songs like here you, especially meet. their early stuff, which is very yeah. technical, very almost like mm-hmm. verging on post hardcore kind of like they yeah. were originally emo as well. Mm-hmm. And then their later stuff kind of gets into more softer stuff, almost like American football, where it's yep. like very long and slow and like fall asleep to this type of music. That was one of the issues that I had with Jimmy Eat World was just like some of their albums. It's just like such up and down that it was hard for me to listen to the whole album from start to finish, especially driving at night. Like I expect the album to be like Bleed American all the way through. But it's not. <laughs> But yeah, happy 20, happy 20 years to Bleed American. Fantastic album. Uh, I think that this album is getting better with time, though. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm just looking at reviews when the album first came out, and it got like destroyed by some by some outlets. Like Enemy gave it like an 8 out of 10, which is good. That was the highest rated one. And then there was a publication known as Pitchfork, which gave it a 3.5 out of 10. Wow, Pitchfork. I want to see, because yeah. Pitchfork does a lot of, uh, like, they they re- re-review it. So they, got, mm-hmm. they do a lot of retrospect reviews. Sure. They did one on Pinkerton, because they gave Pinkerton like a 2 out of 10 when it first came out by Weezer and then they did a retrospective 2010 I think and they they gave it a 10 out of 10 Mm-hmm. So yeah. we'll see what they do with uh, Jimmy Rolls' 20th for Bleed American. It's aging very well. And my next topic here, we did miss this last week because we're a little bit behind on news. Even though we don't usually cover news on this podcast, we are more of a retrospective podcast. There's not we're a lot really... of GameCube news, Neil, unfortunately. Not a lot, but we do try to talk about Nintendo news. And the last few weeks, there's been a bunch of cool stuff announced. Like we got a random SpongeBob Smash game coming out. Dead Space just got announced. Uh, that's getting revived, which is really cool. But specifically, we got some new hardware announced, which was the Valve Steam Deck. Mm. Uh, that will be coming out December of 2021. It's going to be a price range between $500 and $820, depending on the size of model you want in terms of gigabytes. The reason why we're talking about it on this show, we're not typically a PC podcast, but the console does look an awful lot like the Nintendo Switch, and it looks like it's it's actually going to be a handheld PC, basically, and it's going to be a direct competitor to the Switch because as of right now, uh, there are no handheld devices where you can play video games on other than your phone out right now. So this is going to give Nintendo maybe a little bit of a run for its money. What do you, what do you, what are your first impressions of the Switch of the Steam Deck, Mike? Uh, I think it it looks pretty cool. Uh, I think 
the fact that it has that much power for that small of a device uh, is definitely and it's and you know they definitely timed it around the switch pro when uh, when it came out i'm sure they did that on purpose to yeah. say oh no look this is the real switch pro you wanted yeah, <laughs> yeah it'll it'll give them a run for their money uh, i i'm not going to pick it up immediately or anything i yeah. might pick it up down the line especially i think maybe when they go to like a second version of this as mm-hmm. valve often does with their with their their stuff i think this could be a really powerful and game-changing um piece of hardware i don't love the fact that the the joysticks aren't really joysticks they're um pads but yeah. our friends friend of the show john said that it's actually those pads are actually really nice so I'd have to try it first to see how I like it because that would be a, a big change. My bigger issue with what like the joystick like uh, nub nubs there on the side of the controller is that they're directly left of the button pads. Which is <laughs> yeah, weird. you know, like playing a controller for so long, I'm very much used to the uh, sticks being below the buttons. So it reminds me of like the Wii U where the the sticks were above the buttons, which was really weird. Mm-hmm. It just takes so much time to get over that. Uh, the controllers are also not removable like they are on a Switch. So this is very much a one piece like a brick handheld device. It's just a lot more powerful than a Switch, and like Mike said, it's a lot more powerful than. The the Switch Pro, which is coming out. Um, I don't know if I'm going to be picking this one up. Like, I have a laptop that I never play video games on. I have my Switch that plays Nintendo games, which is what I want to do. Uh, but it does look like an interesting uh, device that, I mean, if you play PC games and you have a billion games on Steam, I think it's an easy buy uh, if you have $500 to throw out to a uh, to the basic model, which is 64 gigs. It uh, could be a fun, uh, fun little piece of hardware. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree. Yeah, uh, but uh, I look forward to talking more about the Steam Deck as it comes out uh, in December. Uh, but Mike, I'll tell you what doesn't cost cost you $500 would be uh, supporting us on Patreon. Hmm. Uh, fans, if you want to uh, support us at the Patreon level of at $5 or above, you can submit an opening topic to the show, just like iRebel did, uh, who iRebel was actually back on our episode when we talked about Soul Calibur 2. Mm-hmm. And iRebel wants to know, uh, wants to say, to celebrate the MCU, what are both of your rankings of every MCU film to date, all 23 of them? I think it's 24 now. Uh, so, Mike, let's rank the MCU movies uh, up to Black Widow. I haven't seen Black Widow yet, have you? No, I haven't. Yeah, okay, cool. So we'll do the first 23 MCU movies. I thought what we could do is quickly run through our top, or our bottom 18, and then we can talk a little bit more maybe about our top five. Sure. Just to see, because there's so many MCU movies. Um, I can start. Uh, so my least favorite MCU movie goes Thor 2. Uh, the Dark World. I can't stand that movie. It's no, boring. No, can. Yeah. No. And then uh, I have Captain Marvel. I'm not going to talk too much about it. This is going to take too long. No, uh, you Captain- just list them. <laughs> yeah. Captain Marvel and then Thor, Avengers Age of Ultron. I didn't like that movie all that much. Nope. Uh, Iron Man 2, Black Panther. I didn't love Black Panther as much as everyone else did. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, Iron Man 3, Ant-Man and the Wasp, The Incredible Hulk, Doctor Strange, Spider-Man, Far From Home, Captain America, The First Avenger. Guardians of the Galaxy 2, I adore Guardians of the Galaxy, Uh, Spider-Man Homecoming, Ant-Man, Guardians of the Galaxy 1, Iron Man 1, I love the first Iron Man movie, Mm -hmm. Uh, the first Avengers movie is my number 6, I really like the first Avengers movie, that was a really hype movie to see in theaters, it doesn't age particularly well, but again, place and time, and that brings me to my top 5, so before I go into that, Mike, I'll let you read your top 18. So I haven't seen Doctor Strange, the first Spider-Man, Thor, or Ant-Man and the Wasp. So Okay, you have some homework then for our next episode. <laughs> that's right. So those ones right. are out. But okay, that's yeah, fine. bottom is Thor 2, obviously, easy one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, next to that is Civil War. And I'm just going to preface this by saying I hate Captain America. I hate everything 
about Captain America. He is my least favorite superhero in anything. So Even, so you don't mean just the Chris Evans adaptation. You mean oh, all Captain America? All Captain America. I've never okay. liked Captain America. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Uh, so so I am very biased in this sense because you will see a lot of Captain America stuff down here. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> we have Age of Ultron, uh, Iron Man 2, Captain Marvel, uh, Winter Soldier. So there you go. Wow. Uh, Incredible Hulk, uh, Captain America, the the first whatever the first one was yep, the avenger the first avenger there we yep. go mm-hmm. uh gardens of the galaxy 2 uh iron man 3 this is at number 10 now uh yep. ant-man at number nine black oh. panther and number eight spider-man far from home number seven avengers number six just like you wow hey that's cool we had a few at the same spot actually our ant-man was also at number nine we love ant-man even in long before they announced the ant-man movie we were talking about ant-man that was oh, yeah. funny <laughs> all right so i have my captain america movies way higher up i like those movies a whole lot they kind of remind me of like a jason Bourne, james bond kind yeah. of movie no, so in no my top problem. five going from five to one i have captain america civil war i thought that was a pretty fun movie even though it's not anywhere close to what it was supposed to be like in the comics uh and then i have captain america the winter soldier i thought that was a really fun movie to watch uh I don't know. I enjoyed it. Uh, Thor Ragnarok is my number three. That is such a good superhero movie. It's mm-hmm. hilarious. They finally made Thor good, which was what I wanted. I hated the first two Thor movies. So glad they made it more of like a buddy cop comedy film. And it, and it had uh, Jeff Goldblum, of course. Of course, of course. Yeah. Playing and himself. Then, <laughs> basically. And then my number two is uh, Avengers Infinity War. And then number one is Avengers Endgame. Uh, I thought that was just the perfect way to end a franchise. Uh, it's really hard to, to build up to something like this. You know, 23 movies later you know almost 10 15 years at this point of movies uh, to have it end in this grand grandiose ending was just incredible and it's almost making it hard for me to go back and watch the new stuff because i feel like it's just over um yeah yeah i hope that i do enjoy the marvel you know uh disney plus series and the new movies but anyway mike what are your five top 10 marvel films number five is endgame i thought i thought it did the best job they could have possibly done for it so yeah and it was a good movie so that's why it's number five there i love guardians of the galaxy Mm -hmm. uh that was such a great movie to see the first time Uh, i loved every second of that movie i was really impressed because i had no interest in seeing it at first yeah (laughs) that was really the first one where like everybody kind of looked at each other and thought like who the hell are these guys like yeah the the vast market because guardians of the galaxy no one was talking about guardians of the galaxy in 2010 like no one thought that was coming so to blow everyone's expectations out of the water fantastic soundtrack that's a good call out saw thor ragnarok and i love that at number three and brennan our friend of the show brennan was credited in that right neil Mm -hmm. yep and and some of the avengers i think he might have been credited in endgame as well yes that's right yeah or infinity war one of the two one of those well number two is infinity war and that is honestly one of my my favorite superhero movies. I loved that movie. That was everything I want everything to be always. And I yeah. love the ending. It's great. I hate happy endings, as you know, Neil. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't like predictability, which is why I don't love a lot of superhero movies nowadays. Right. Uh, and I thought Infinity War was just so good. It feels because mm-hmm. you know everyone, everyone, a little part of them is rooting for Thanos. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He. You can see where he's coming from with exactly. his ideas. Like, there's a meme about that. It's not like a new idea or anything. But I can definitely <laughs> I see. You know, everything's over. Thanos did nothing wrong, Neil. <laughs> exactly. He he had a good he had good intentions. The movie did have the uh, Empire Strikes Back that's, vibes to it. That's what it felt like. Yeah. Yeah. The 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 villain is on top at the end. The heroes are on the run. How are they going to come back from it? Stay tuned to find out. Yeah. Very much the same formula, but done differently enough that it worked. Yeah, I, I, and I, I, yeah, I just thought it was amazing. And then number one for me was Iron Man because that's that's mm-hmm. what kind of kicked off 
all this this world really was was Iron Man and the fact that that movie was even be was even able to be made alone yeah. is just incredible because uh, uh, Robert Downey Jr. was didn't was not supposed to be a, a star anymore. You know, his no. he was supposed to be done. Yeah. The 2008 Iron Man film turned everything around for Marvel because before this time, Mike, they were selling off their rights to Fox and to Universal to make movies Mm because they were on the verge of bankruptcy. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that today. So I, Rebel, thank you so much for that opening topic. But Mike, this opening is running a little bit long. So let's jump into our favorite segment, shall we? Let's do it, Neil. It's time for the mailbag. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to write into us, you can do so on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or whatever uh, podcast platform you listen to us on. Leave us a rating and review. We will read them on the podcast. Just like Matt from Instagram wrote in today. Matt says, hello, guys. I have been hearing your podcast, and I'm having the time of my life. Laughing all the time and sent back to nostalgia. Thank you. And then he sent a couple prayer hands or high fives, whatever your perspective is. Um, Thank you so much, Matt. Having the time of my life. life. (laughs) And I never felt this way before. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, no, we honestly really appreciate everyone who writes in. It uh, it boosts our confidence and lets us do some more episodes. And uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, we're we're loving that you're having the time of your life. I also love when people... Uh, right into us saying that they bought this game or we've you know, we've helped them decide which games are bad and which games are good. Uh, that's something that I, I love too because it's like, yeah, we're we're like the GameCube authority now, Neil. We're GameCube tastemakers in 2021, <laughs> which is hilarious because like it's hard to look like you go to read reviews of GameCube games and it's all based on 2002 reviews. Yeah. And it's, it's like, does it hold up now? And uh, like some of the games that we're talking about today, they were good at the time and they didn't age well now or they were bad at the time and maybe they turned out okay in the Mm. long run. So uh, we'll have to jump into that now, though, Mike, because this is episode 60 of the GameCube is Cool podcast. We have new episodes every Thursday on all the major podcast services. And we're here to look back on all 555 North American GameCube games one by one, sometimes 12 by 12. So far, we have covered 289 games. I screwed that up last week. I actually miscounted, but we're back on track. You can visit thegamecubewascool.com to check out all the things we've been working on. The website was developed by our very own Mike Lane. That's me. That's him. Last week, we were on 97.8 The Cube FM to cover Mario Kart Double Dash. It was a great time, and uh, we'll totally do that real radio station thing again. Uh, Which Uh, game? We have no idea. I lost my key to the the station. I don't know if you have it. Oh, no, I don't have it. So that phone is ringing off the hook now. (laughs) Damn it. Yeah. This week, we are covering a bunch of superhero games on the GameCube. It seems like a great time to do it since there's always Marvel news uh, on, you know, Disney Plus coming out. There's new movies coming out every week still. Uh, Black Widow's out there. So we're just going to talk about a whole bunch of superhero games today, Mike. We are. And if you're looking for some of the other superhero games that we've covered, we have already covered the Spider-Man games in their own separate episodes. So go back and check that one out. And we also covered the X-Men games for the Mm -hmm. GameCube. So Mm -hmm. that's another one to check out. Yeah, these ones are kind of in their own uh, amorphous kind of category. We weren't quite sure where to place them all. So we thought we'd just cover them all at once. They're not very good. That, no, no, most of them. Oh, one of them is okay. <laughs> but this was such a weird time for me. I love looking back uh, between 2000 and, I mean, really the 90s, but 2000 and 2008 with Iron Man. Superhero films were in such a weird place. Mm-hmm. Like some of them were great, like with Spider-Man and then the the Dark Knight trilogy was just getting going. The and X-Men, of, the one, like X, X2, yeah. I think is a really good one of, of those three. 
yeah, but then they also skewed into being like bad, like with yep. the Wolverine Origins movies. So, and it was pre Disney buying Marvel. Uh, the Hulk movies were just okay, and we did have these video games that came out, like Spider Man Two, and like it's just like the the superhero formula was not created yet. But still, we were young kids. We bought the T shirts, we bought some of the video games, we watched all the movies in theaters, and rented them from Blockbuster. So it was kind of like the same hype around the superhero movies as there is now, but they just the quality wasn't there yet. Um, so yeah. I love I love looking back on this era and some of the video games because, like Mike said, a lot of these games are not great, uh, but I still have fond memories of a few of them. So uh, let's dive right in, Mike. What do you say? Yeah, let's do it. Let's start off with a Superman game. All right, Superman Shadow of Apocalypse was released on March 25th, 2003. It also came out on PlayStation 2, but that was in 2002. This game is developed by Infogrames Sheffield House. It's published by Infogrames under the Atari brand name uh, and was released in conjunction with Warner Bros. Interactive Entertainment and DC Comics. It's also on PlayStation 2, rates about a 6 out of 10. It's around $30 today, and this is a action-adventure game. Now, Mike, with each of these uh, licenses we're going to be talking about today, I thought it might be fun to just jump back a little bit and talk about the history of, of the character or characters, kind of like we did on the Warner Bros. episode. So let's talk a little bit about Superman as a whole. Yeah, Superman, the oldest, uh, really the oldest superhero, the the original, mm -hmm. the OG. He's the superhero, basically. I mean, mm -hmm. pop culture icon, you know that S anywhere you go. He appears in multiple things, like Seinfeld, as we know him from. I love any Seinfeld Bizarro. reference that they make <laughs> yeah, with Superman. In Seinfeld, it's the greatest crossover of all time. Of course. But yeah, Superman himself is, he usually had, ever since, oh God, I don't know, like since the, 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 the superhero movie, or the Superman movies in the 70s, he has not had a good run. His games are terrible. His movies are often really bad. Uh, it, it, it's just so hard to do Superman justice because he's just not interesting. And that's, that's, the, that's the crux of him, right? He was made in, in an era where, because uh, he was created because of the Depression. Uh, it was this idea that, you know, you could be anyone, be anything. Uh, comics were had just started. It was the golden age of comics. Superman was the perfect poster boy for that era. And after that, it, it kind of became hard for people to identify with Superman. You know, you got people like Batman who didn't have superpowers, but made use of the technology and everything that he had uh, to fight mm -hmm. crime. And I think... You know, that was the slow death of Superman, that it's just someone who can do everything really isn't interesting and very hard to write for. The only good Superman, I guess, content that's come out in the last 30 years, I could say, would be uh, Superman Red Sun. I'm not sure if you ever read that, Neil. I didn't know. I thought you were going to say Smallville. I know a lot of people oh, really yeah, like that Smallville. TV series. That's true. They make him. They make him a little bit more relatable. He's a kid or a, t a teenager at least, in I think high school. I never saw the show, but I know that a lot of Superman fans really like Smallville because they make him a little bit more human. Like, that's a good that, that's point. Kind of, it's the best way to save the character is don't make him like this overpowered alien. Like he's technically an alien, but don't make him this overpowered superhero guy because it's not fun. Like it's impossible to beat him unless you're. Unless you're Kevin Spacey with a brick of uh, <laughs> kryptonite, like you know, it's it's not yeah. it's it's not interesting really. And the video games have suffered immensely as well. Like I don't think that there's really a critically acclaimed Superman video I, game. I would say uh, Injustice, uh, yeah. and and those games have a have a, actually a pretty interesting plot. Now that I so I'll take that back a little bit because yeah. Injustice does have a plot similar to Red Sun. It, because the ideas with those two are basically what happens if Superman is bad. What happens if Superman mm -hmm. for Red Sun? What happens if Superman lands? in the Soviet Union instead of the States, sure. right? And so yeah. I like that idea because that gives you at least 
something else to think about. And and mm-hmm. uh, I think Batman versus, versus Superman, which is uh, yikes <laughs> as a movie. Yeah. But the one cool scene of it is when he is like envisioning that Injustice timeline. Uh, and he's like in the desert or whatever, and everyone has these like it's like these Superman army men basically, and Superman is just like killing everyone. I thought right. that was a cool concept because uh, that kind of comes from I think Joker kills Lois Lane, and so Superman like nukes the city or something. I forget. Okay, but yeah. like stuff like that again, interesting. It's what happens when Superman turns bad, and I I always yeah. like that idea, but we often don't get to see something uh, like the, no. in that sense. No, and the what ifs, if the what if storylines are better than the actual storyline, that's the sign of a bad character, really. Exactly. It's, it, it's too bad. And I was looking up uh, a, a while ago, we had that list of the highest grossing media franchises of all time. Superman ranks 55th on that list, uh, just behind Jurassic Park. Um, Interesting. So it made it's so far to date since 1938, where he first appeared in Action Comics number one. The whole franchise has grossed about $9.38 billion globally. And again, that's fuzzy because there are spinoffs like uh, Injustice and like the Lego Batman games where Superman's in. So it's probably hard to get an exact figure. Sure. But the Superman standalone uh, uh, merchandise, $9.38 billion. Nothing to sneeze at. But the video games are absolutely terrible. This game follows up the N64 Superman game, which is considered one of the worst games of all <laughs> Superman time. Superman 64. Superman 64. Love it. We have it in, in our library. It's a it's a fun game to play if you have a couple <laughs> beers and you're just looking for something stupid to do. Uh, all in all, there are 17 Superman games to date. Uh, 12 of those feature just Superman. And uh, the first one came out in 1979 on the Atari 2600. The most recent one was actually Superman Returns in 2006 on DS and PS2. I thought so. Yeah, I, so I, I was been... looking this up and I, I wanted to yeah. see if you also found that. I was yep. a little shocked, but also not that shocked because the Injustice games kind of are where he lives now. Injustice and then the Lego Batman or the Lego the Lego DC games he, yeah. he appears in from time to time, which is where he lives. He will be appearing <laughs> in the Suicide Squad game, which is slated for 2022. So, yeah, people have been asking for a Superman or I've heard fans asking for a Superman game like with the Arkham games, you know, being so big with Batman. I think that a lot of people thought that Rocksteady would make a Superman game next. I hope they don't. I would way prefer them to do like a Teen Titans game or something. Yes, please. Yeah. Uh, but let's talk about Superman Shadow of Apocalypse. Now, this is Apocalypse with a K and an I. It's spelled weird. It's not the Apocalypse from X-Men. Yeah, it's it's, it's, uh, it's his other villain. Yeah. Yeah, it's another villain that isn't Lex Luthor. Yeah. Uh, the, the plot of the game, Superman believes that the Intergang are starting up again. Uh, Intergang are not a boy band. They're a crime organization. <laughs> uh, it turns out that these are actually robots under the control of Lex Luthor, who is also working with Darkseid. And then there's uh, other villains in the game, too, that you have to fight. Obviously, it's a superhero game. So there's also characters like Livewire, uh, Metallo, Volcana, Canro, and Parasite are all hired to kill Superman so Lex can succeed in his plans. So it's a very cookie-cutter superhero video game. My thing with Superman, with Lex Luthor, is like, can't he just, you know, spot him from a mile away and kill him with yes. his laser eyes? Shoot him from <laughs> space, drop a car on him, do anything to kill him. <laughs> that's, that's the thing, is like, there should be no barriers to Superman <laughs> killing people and, and, and just no. getting his way. You know, the Krypton yeah. is, is, is such a minor thing for him. It's like, oh, someone has Krypton. Well, I'll just fly away now. Yeah, I know. It's such a boring idea. And it's, it's, I don't know really how you fix Superman. I'm not here to tell you how to fix Superman. I haven't seen nearly in it enough things to, to know what to do. I've only seen Superman Returns with, with Kevin Spacey. And I, we saw Man of Steel in theaters when it came out. And was one of the best trailers I've ever seen in my life. Uh, yeah. One of the worst movies I've seen in oh, theaters. Uh, it's just, it's too bad because Henry Cavill, uh, 
he looks like Superman. Like that is, mm-hmm. if you want to picture Superman, that's Superman. I got to yeah. say, he is one of like that's exactly what everyone should picture Superman as. But uh, mm-hmm. he's not a great actor, and uh, the lines were bad. Uh, neither of us are big Zack Snyder fans, so yeah, Man of Steel was not great. I thought they were gonna make us like a franchise out of that. They tried. I don't know. I guess well, kinda. I mean, it's, it kind of goes with the Justice League now and everything. They, they tried to rush what Marvel was doing with yes. Endgame, and it didn't work. Yeah. They they skipped a few steps here and there and it did not work <laughs> but yes but the, the game, game itself it uh cell shaded which is cool so it looks nice it's probably one of the better looking games that we have uh today to talk about neil but yeah. uh i it's so empty did you notice how mm-hmm. empty all the worlds are that's going to be a common theme with a lot of the games today mike like they they just all felt empty to me like the cities are there like they've created this kind of like to to what the the systems had available to them at the time like they made the biggest map they could but then they kind of forgot to fill them which is <laughs> yeah. too bad and the, the art style you're right the cell shaded is good we both love cell shaded animation it reminded me a lot of the superman animated series actually mm-hmm. Uh, which was decent. And it even features some pretty decent voice actors as well, um, like uh, Tim Daly as Clark Kent, uh, Dana Delaney as Lois Lane. A, a good cast of characters in the game and some good voice actors as well that were reprising their roles as Superman and Lois Lane. But yeah, the, the the world was very empty. Like there wasn't anything for you to do really. You pretty much just had to fly from mission to mission. Yeah. And that was about it. It does look better than Superman 64 though. I can't stress that <laughs> enough. Like I feel like it that looks game good. Just, that like, game ruined Superman for video games forever, I feel like. It and, did. It did. Yeah. I think the problem with this is that, and actually, which is very interesting, that this isn't tied to a movie or anything, uh, mm. which is strange because obviously Superman Returns was in development. Maybe this was to, to try and get people back into Superman. Well, this is one of the yeah. reasons they made this. Yeah, it is weird. This is the only Superman game on GameCube. Um, even though there was one Superman game as well on N64 and Superman Returns did come out on DS, PS2, Xbox and Xbox 360. So I don't even think that game came out on Wii. This is the last Superman game we've seen on a Nintendo home console from the sounds of it. Uh, I don't know. Like there there wasn't any other Superman movie that came out. I don't think in, in the era of GameCube, was there? No, 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 there wasn't. It's just, uh, it's just interesting that this wasn't uh, connected to the TV series or Justice League or anything. It's just Superman on his own and a whole new original plot. Uh, mm-hmm. And it, it does fall flat. Uh, and I, yeah. did, how did this review back in the day? Did this review okay? Because it does look good. And I think that would yeah. at least help it in reviews. Now, the, the fact that you can't really use your flying to your advantage sucks because that's what i would want in a superman game the ability to just fly anywhere like make it like a flight sim basically where you fly as superman well i mean like 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 you know uh fly as superman in a flight sim kind of style but uh just to be able to pick places where you want to go and have that freedom because superman is all about freedom in the sense of what he can do I think that the flying was okay in this game like it wasn't as bad as superman 64 no the flying itself wasn't bad it just was how they used it yeah, uh, I, I think it was mainly just fly from mission to mission. It wasn't like yes. free roaming as as free roaming as something like Spider Man Two, which probably they could have leaned more into. Yeah, but yeah, it was a bit more of a linear experience, um, which again is going to be the case with most of these games today. It was a budget title, and it, they did try to tie it a little bit with the animated series. I think just by using the same art style, it wasn't a very original art style, and no. they weren't using any actors' likeness likenesses really. So. Yeah, not too much to say about this game. It's very underwhelming. And you asked how it reviewed back in the day, just to repeat. It reviewed about a 6 out of 10, so okay. A, a, an okay game, basically. 
Yeah, I, that's 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 what it is. I gotta say, the HUD is nice. It does look clean. Mm-hmm. Uh, the AI is horrible, <laughs> from from what I've what I've watched. Uh, and yeah. yeah, I think it's a very okay game. That's that's all. <laughs> yeah, that's all, folks. Let, let's move on to an, uh, the next game on our list here, Mike, which is gonna go downhill fast. Which is Aquaman, oh, easily one boy. of the worst games on the console. Can't wait to talk about it today. Aquaman Battle for Atlantis was released on July 30th, 2003. This game was developed by Lucky Chicken Games. If that uh, if that studio sounds familiar, listeners, we did talk about them back on the Tonka Rescue Patrol episode, where we mm. actually it was our Racing Games Part 2 episode. The realistic sim, t- Tonka, the, Tonka Truck Rescue. With, with friend of the show, Ali, talked about the realism of Tonka. <laughs> uh, this game was published by TDK Media Active. It's also on Xbox. It rates at 2.5 out of 10, definitely one of the lowest reviews games we've covered today it prices around fifty dollars uh, it's considered an action adventure game that is uh that's generous <laughs> let's talk a little bit about aquaman first mike before we cover this game aquaman first appeared in more fun comics back in 1941 and it's been downhill for him since then <laughs> aquaman's always the brunt of the joke you know he, he always gets screwed over and i i, I don't mind aquaman I don't like Aquaman, but I don't no. mind him. Like he can exist. That's okay. <laughs> but uh, I, I in the boys, uh, the the TV series, the boys uh, on Amazon Prime, it's very much like supposed to be like the Justice League. Every there's a Superman, there's a Batman kind of style. There's a uh, and there's also a uh, Aquaman style character who controls fish and controls the uh, the sea. And he's kind of the, the butt of the all jokes. He's always uh, something's always happening to him. He kind of gets me tooed, uh, and and it's so it, they they do a really good job with him because it's interesting. It's like what happens to the character who no one likes, you know, or mm. or no one has affinity for. Uh, yeah. The the Jason Momoa Aquaman is supposed to be a fun, at least a, an enjoyable watch. Yeah, uh, I haven't seen it, but I know people who have who said that they enjoyed it. Yeah, that, that movie was on top of the world back in 2018 for a solid, like, month, and I, I, I did not, from the trailer, I didn't want to see it. I thought that the, the villain looks cool. Black Manta is the name of the villain. I just thought the CG looked really awful, and I don't care about Aquaman. I love Jason Momoa. He seems like a really funny guy. And yeah. The movie, the movie grossed $1.1 billion, so That's I'm stupid. wrong. <laughs> I mean, clearly I'm wrong about how, you know, what, what movies they should make, so nobody listened to me, but I still haven't seen it. I, I would love to if I have, maybe if I'm sick one day, I'll just sit down and watch Aquaman. That feels that, like a sick movie. It feels like a sick movie where I yeah. don't have anything else to do that week. <laughs> um, but really, between 1941 and 2018, I feel like there was no bump in Aquaman at all. They definitely <laughs> tried to bring him into the public eye in this era with this video game. Obviously failed. When I think of Aquaman, though, I instantly think of Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy from SpongeBob. Yes. that That's my touchstone with Aquaman is these two spoof characters from – a Nickelodeon TV show, which are kind of like a spoof of Batman and Robin mixed with Aquaman. Yes. I think that that's the way you handle Aquaman. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think I, I think the Jason Momoa uh, adaptation did a pretty good job with that, with mm-hmm. joking around with it, because you can't take it seriously, right? You can't. No. Like, there's and no way. Him, and you can't make him the white, blonde-haired, blue-eyed guy that he was in the comics. If you made that, it would just be laughed out of the room. <laughs> Giving him the, the Jason Momoa look with the long hair, kind of the Viking tattoos and everything, yeah. really cool. Yeah. Like a good adaptation for sure. Yeah. So the, the plot of Aquaman Battle for Atlantis, uh, the player takes control of the DC superhero Aquaman who has to defend Atlantis from his arch enemy, Black Manta. Uh, the story is told through comic style cutscenes. We're going to talk about that in a second. Uh, during the course of the game, Aquaman has to solve 21 missions, which mostly involves swimming to a certain place and beating up all the enemies in that place. And then you have to save Atlantis from doom. 
so the story is told. I want to talk about these cutscenes. Uh, oh yeah, this this. Uh, let's not animate them. Let's not actually have anything going on. Let's just have like these gross comic panels that already mm-hmm. they don't even look nice. They're not like Ultimate Spider-Man that did it really really nicely. It looks like you're part of a comic. There's a little bit of movement, but there's also that those you know very comic tropes coming in. The pains are coming from different sides. They did such right. a cool job with that. Here you just have them kind of pasted on. Well, they're not even they're not even comic strips. It's basically like they've taken screenshots of a cutscene yes. and then posted those. So like yeah. think of think of a video game from two thousand and three and that like that animation, take a still of it and then add dialogue to that. So yeah. it's not even like they've made these beautiful artistic cell shaded comic strips. They've basically just taken a cutscene that may or may not have existed <laughs> and then posted a few pictures of that and then that's your cutscene. Like what where happened? You get your, they where just, you get what little story you have, and that's did, it. They just get like, were they halfway through animating, and they're like, "Yo, guys, we need to actually put this out." This it's is like what, uh, it's like when you find out that the due date is three weeks <laughs> earlier than you thought it was, and you have to hand in your work. It and has that's to what they be. Did. It has Basically, to be. It's so bad. I've never seen a video game do that. No. Where they take where they take screenshot and instead of like having a different art style for the cutscenes, almost like like fi- how Fire Emblem does it, where it's like an anime in between with stills, and then you go to the actual game. I'd love to be a fly on the wall for the development of this yeah. game. There wasn't much information on it. It came out, it bombed, and then they quiet they quietly moved on. What's funny is that the game actually coincided with not a movie, not a TV show. It coincided with a series of DC comics, which also debuted in two thousand three. It, uh, I think the launch day of this game was the day that the first issue also came out. So this is from a time when comic books were still not popular, but they were still in a little bit more in the public eye from like the 90s where they were big, right. like the Todd McFarlane era. And they were trying to push Aquaman, trying to really bring him back into the public eye again for, for the first time really in about 70 years. <laughs> Um, there were also PlayStation 2 and Game Boy Advance versions of the game, which oh, were the planned, Game Boy Advance version. <laughs> that would have been horrible. I mean, hey, a 2D, a 2D side scroller of Aquaman might actually not be bad. This would good be point. one of those situations where I could see the Game Boy Advance version being the the, the good one. Uh, but because of the GameCube and the Xbox versions fell on their face when they came out, those uh, those three versions or those two versions were canceled. So let's talk about a little bit of gameplay here, Neil. Uh, water levels, which we love in all games, mm-hmm. they're always good. And so just imagine having to play in water levels all the time, uh, but also not being able to actually control the camera properly with the C-stick. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, it's not really swimming. It's more flying. Like instantly every yeah. single every single review that i've seen about this re- compared it to superman 64 there we go back terrib- to superman it everything goes back to superman <laughs> 64 and it's just like, like you're basically flying through the water you're not really swimming and the camera controls are terrible like you said there's also invisible walls throughout everywhere the game. everywhere yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. so you can't fly everywhere and you can't tell where the invisible walls are going to be which is just bad game design yeah. like if you're going to put invisible walls in make the world end kind of like in like i always think of breath of the wild how the island just ends that's yeah. an invisible wall it's not like you can see things in the distance and you just walk into a basically a glass wall if you don't know what that means like it's it's terrible game design but it's so not fun in every single meaning of the word honestly it just every time you're doing anything in this game it, it's pushing your limits of frustration uh you can't move properly you can't control anything properly you can't pick up items most of the time the hitboxes on enemies don't seem to actually be real uh there's there's so many things wrong with this game Uh, the fact Mm -hmm. it doesn't you know what it doesn't even seem like it was qa'd properly because there's just glitches 
abound. It, it, this looks like a Assassin's Creed first version without an update. Like that's what it reminds me of. <laughs> I would have been fine, or not even fine. I would have been like not surprised if this was like, oh, it was an N sixty four game ported to GameCube to make the launch window because it looks like a launch window GameCube game, like a budget twenty dollar. It does. But it came out almost a year after the GameCube came out, you know, July 20, 2003. So uh, over like, had, a year and a half after. Uh, yeah, yeah. Almost two years, I guess, after the GameCube yeah. came out, which is, yeah, like it had time to, <laughs> to develop. And they were only developing it for two consoles. Like no one was waiting for this game. Like they, they could have <laughs> had it in the in the oven a little longer to cook, but they didn't. The characters also look awful as well. Oh, like, my God. Every bad guy looks the same. And like Aquaman himself looks bad, too. I think just like Superman in this day and age putting him in injustice was probably the best thing that they could have done yes. with this character i've seen him in injustice i've watched people play that game and characters all look great animation super smooth and they fit right into the art style with superman and batman but having him in his own game did not work in this generation i'm actually excited to talk about aquaman in our closing thoughts because i do have an idea on what you could do with aquaman hmm. But we'll talk about that a little bit later. I do have a really funny review from the GameCube Anthology, which okay. is a fantastic book that we've talked about before. The reviewer says, at $50, you may as well buy an aquarium and create your own <laughs> underwater world. Or even if you wanted to just leave it empty, it would still be more fun to watch that than this appalling game. <laughs> which is just really harsh. But this, this uh, I mean, this would have gone in our unplayable episode if it wasn't sure. for our superhero uh, episode this week because it is unplayable and it is on on par with Charlie's Angels in terms of how it reviewed and how it plays. There was a very funny comment on the Nintendo GameCube enthusiasts group that we're part of and someone asked if you can combine two GameCube games into one, which two would you choose? Uh, and there was a great comment that said MVP Baseball 2005 and Aquaman. <laughs> <laughs> What was the rationale behind that? Just, that was it. <laughs> All right. That's a very good game and a very not so good game. I, I just imagine like playing baseball on a 3D plane, <laughs> like in terms of up and down. <laughs> Ooh, that'd be a nightmare. <laughs> playing in the water. Yeah, I just oh, thought geez. that was hilarious. <laughs> All right, Mike, let's move on to our next game on the list here today, which is Spawn Armageddon was released on November 21st, 2003. This game was developed by Point of View. It's published by Namco. Uh, remember, folks, this is why Spawn was in the Xbox version of Soul Calibur. The game is also on PlayStation 2 and Xbox. It rates a 6 out of 10. It's priced at around $50 today and is a hack and slash. So, Mike, let's talk about Spawn for a quick second. Ooh, Spawn yeah. number one came out in 1992, and the character was created by Todd McFarlane. Now, not really a superhero. Technically, he'd be ca categorized as an anti-hero. But again, we're not having an anti-hero episode of this podcast. Yeah, he's, uh, he's similar to Venom in that sense of, of an anti-hero. Kind of just does what he wants. And I've always loved Spawn, especially the, the artwork oh, yeah. of Spawn is so mm -hmm. original. I've never, ever seen anything like it. Uh, and it really drew me in when I was a kid. I remember I had a couple of Spawn books because a uh, friend's older brother, classic, uh, was a really big <laughs> Spawn fan. And it was it was so mature, you know? In an, yeah. in an era where comics... We're definitely trying to be mature, especially late 90s, early 2000s. This was a different kind of maturity. This felt like I, I wasn't supposed to be reading it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm, definitely. And Todd McFarlane is a prolific comic book artist. Like oh, he's he, a character. <laughs> I love his interpretation of or his illustrations of Spider-Man. Like he yeah. – the way he draws eyes, like the triangle. Eyes, which 
are very reminiscent of what Spawn looks like as well. Like they have the same design, are just so cool. He dra- he draws comic book characters so well. A very gothic art style to it, especially. Yeah. I didn't know that Spawn was not. I thought it was Marvel, to be honest. It's Image Comics, which oh, I did not know. I that thought it was Dark Horse, today. actually. Yeah, it's well, it's published by American company known as Image Comics. It may have switched over to Dark Horse now, but uh, there's been a few films or one one main film really, a television one series and film. a. F- Oh, one notorious film. And then uh, a bunch of uh, video games as well. I want to talk really quick about the 1997 uh, feature film, Spawn, uh, which I adored as a kid. My brother showed me that one when I was too young. I would have been maybe five <laughs> years old. And I used to get in trouble for, like, repeating lines from it. Like I said, Mike, like, <laughs> the comic books are, like, super inappropriate – or not super inappropriate, but just adult. Yes, very and adult. I learned very – and I learned very quickly that the lines in the movie are also very adult, where I would get literally like detentions for things that I would say. I rewatched the movie this week actually to prepare for this episode, and I was laughing. I was cracking up just laughing at the lines. Like some of the one-liners in the movie are so good. The CGI doesn't hold up. I'll give you that. Like the devil character looks terrible nowadays. But even to, by today's standards, that movie like Spawn, the, the costume and like the design of the character with the chains is so cool, and the. There's been a movie in the works for the last five years. I'm waiting with bated breath for that to come out almost as much as a Beast Wars movie, to be honest. And it had a, like a decent cast as well. Like Martin Sheen was the yeah. bad guy in it. Yeah. Um, I don't know any of the other characters in the in the movie, to be honest. But it, it's it's a fun movie. Like it's it's hilarious to watch it now because the music <laughs> in it, like Marilyn Manson is in the, in the movie, not in the movie, but Marilyn Manson's music is in the movie. And then the actual like soundtrack for the movie, I guess the uh, the score it sounds like Linkin Park five years before Linkin Park came out. Like they didn't quite have that rap metal down yet. It's really funny to watch, like just listening to that music. Like it sounds like pre-Limp Bizkit, pre-Linkin Park before we had that genre really perfected. Mm-hmm. So it's really rough in that sense. But, but like I was just laughing at some of the lines like just I'm going to kill that asshole. Or at one point like he calls the clown a, uh, a like a butt packing midget. Like these are the things that I said in school when I was six years old. And oh my God. I, I don't know if my, it was bad, dude. Like I didn't know there was anything wrong with it. I just thought it was funny. Yeah, yeah. Like I had a brother that was five years older than me. So that, that's where I think about Spawn. I don't think about the comics really, or the, 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 the video games. It's that, it's that 1997 movie. And I'm really hoping that, uh, the 20 or the 2016 movie that was rumored eventually does come out. Apparently it, it is like very close to being done. It's supposed to be starring Jamie Foxx and Jeremy Renner. Those that's like the last, hmm. uh, the last update that we've had. So I really hope that they make an R rated spawn film kind of like in the vein of Joker from a few years ago. Well, this was supposed to be, uh, an R rated movie, but they actually toned it down. They made it PG 13 hmm. so that they could attempt to make more money off of it. It was close. Like there were some lines that were like, Ooh, this is dicey. But, uh, I mean, my parents let me watch it, thank God. So, <laughs> highly recommend you check out Spawn, the 1997 film, if you have two hours to kill. Yep, that's right. But Spawn Armageddon is a 3D action-adventure game based on the comics. Uh, Spawn is a character struggling between the forces of heaven and hell in order to save the world. He's uh, equipped, equipped with his uh, hell-sent living symbiotic suit and its chains. So, the gameplay of this game is very much co- uh, very much compared to Devil May Cry and God of War of this generation. Mm-hmm. Very much like a hack and slashy game where you're just trying to take out hordes of enemies at a time to get to the next portion of the level. My, my number one problem with this game, Neil, is that it invokes none of Todd McFarlane's art style. I, I know. This looks like the most generic 
game I've ever seen, and mm-hmm. you can slap on any label of who the actual main character is because I would never know it's Spawn unless I actually saw Spawn on my screen yeah. at all times. It just it's so tragic because you could have done cell shading here. This would have actually been an amazing, uh, an amazing game to do use that artwork. Maybe I don't I don't know like if Spawn would work as a cell shaded game just because maybe now it would, but back then. In the 2000s, every cell shaded game that came out was like a very cartoony. Like they couldn't really figure out how to do dark. What would have been even better would have been if it was more like. Do you remember Mad World on Wii? Okay, yeah, yeah. Completely black and white yeah. with red, and that was it. That would have been really cool. That would have been. See, yeah, that would have been very cool. Uh, or even like Grim Fandango style. You know, yeah. th- there's a lot of. T- I think I'm, I'm really thinking Ultimate Spider-Man here. Venom. You know, all those scenes mm-hmm. were were oh, okay. done really well, and I think Spawn uh, could have really bene- benefited from that because the fact that Ultimate Spider-Man feels more like a Spawn game than the Spawn <laughs> game is a huge yeah. problem. Yeah, I can see that. And, and the gameplay itself was criticized for being repetitive and basic, yep. like the combos are, were quoted as being lame. And I can see that. Like, hack and slash games are really tough. And this was when the genre of hack and slash was really getting started. If you go back to these games now, they are extremely repetitive. And I actually did like them when I was just getting into video games. Like, God, I played all the God of Wars, like the original ones. And you go back to them now, and like as an adult, I've played games that are a little bit more... Uh, I guess sophisticated, mm-hmm. if you want to call it that. And it, it's tough to go back to those early games. I also compare it to there was another game that came out a few years after this on PlayStation 2 and I think PSP, which is where I played it. It was the um, it was based on the uh, Ghost Rider movie, mm. and it was basically this game. Like I was wa- like you, said, you can swap out any character, <laughs> yeah. and like Ghost Rider has the chains. He's uh, wearing all black. He's got I mean he's got a flaming head, which Spawn doesn't have. But still, like you could have swapped out Ghost Rider in this game, and it would have been the exact same game again. <laughs> yeah, it's a hack and slash game where you're just fighting demons and and muggers or whatever, and that's it. And that's the thing with gameplay, like you said it's it's just so many other games do it better there's no reason to ever buy this game because of gameplay no and it was too bad because like i was watching gameplay again and the music didn't hit as well as the movie did even like marilyn manson's song was not in it by the way the song by marilyn manson it was use your fist and not your mouth Mm -hmm. which was like a fun song but like (laughs) i was watching the boss fight for this game the final boss and it was just sound effects of the you know the grunts and the chain slapping around but there's no music in the boss fight which was basically like watching a zelda boss fight with literally no soul yeah like i was expecting like scheme does not have a soul like that's kind. a good way to think about it <laughs> no. yeah it's very much like there's just a shell of what spawn could be i think it's a good pickup if you're just a spawn collector yeah but if you're looking for a game to keep you occupied on your gamecube it's probably something you can easily miss it's just a tie-in to a comic book it also came out like a little too late like this would have been better to come out alongside the spawn movie in 1997 and put it on playstation 1 and pc like skip mm-hmm. n64 i don't think it could have done well on n64 but it would have been a neat playstation game it just felt like something from that era yeah it did yeah, yeah. but it's too right. bad yeah it's so much potential yeah so much potential for all the games we've talked about so far so let's move on <laughs> to another game that had so much potential but didn't come out on top which was judge dread dread versus death which is difficult to say was released on march 1st 2005 developed by rebellion developments it's published by evolved games it's also on playstation 2 xbox and windows this game rates about a 5 out of 10 priced again around 50 dollars. these games are expensive yeah uh it's a first person shooter and it's rated m for mature so this game could have been in our m rated episode but again we thought it fit more into this one this game honestly looks good, Neil, and I know it has quite a few problems. We're going to get into those, but Judge Dredd alone, just 
him. Uh, have you ever had experience with Judge Dredd? I, I, the only experience I have with him, uh, other than the newish movie that came out in 2013, uh, I remember mm. watching the Sylvester Stallone movie with my oh, uncle geez. many, many, many years ago. And uh, even then, even as a child, I knew it was bad because <laughs> yeah. I didn't understand why he was in a courtroom. It becomes a courtroom drama, <laughs> like half of the movie. <laughs> with with uh, Sylvester Stallone, who I don't think he talks throughout the entire movie, basically. No, he does. Oh, but yeah, he doesn't, oh, doesn't talk a lot. He, it's, 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 it's a train wreck. Okay. No, I, I have no touchstone with the comics. Like he, D- Judge Dredd first appeared in the comic series known as 2000 AD uh, number two in 1977. So a fairly new comic book character, if you want to call him that. Uh, the, the, the setting is like you're in a dystopian future of a city called Mega City One. Um, and he's like a street judge, sort of like Robocop, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, he's uh, he's there to arrest, convict, sentence, and execute criminals on the spot. But to answer your question, I have almost no uh, almost no experience with anything Judge Dredd related. I did see like the second half of the 2012 film for whatever reason. I don't know why. I think it was on TV one night and I just caught it like it was the end. Mm -hmm. It reminded me of like a video game movie because he was moving up a level of a building. Yeah. And each level he moved up was like boss fight after boss fight after boss fight. So it reminded me of watching a video game movie. It actually got a 79% on Rotten Tomatoes. So it's it's a good movie. Fairly well. I feel like we should check that one out sometime. Yeah, I've seen it. It's 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 good. Like it, they did a good job. They were very faithful to the actual source material, which the '95 movie mm-hmm. was not at all. Yeah. Like Judge Dredd is a real. I would love to get more into it, and I I wish that there was more to for me to digest because it's it's a very unique character because mm-hmm. he is um he's not a hero necessarily. He is closer to the. The Hulks and the Venoms and the uh, Spawns of the world, which I always, I always sure. enjoy. He's also like not in it for himself, really. Like he's technically employed yeah, by this right. organization. Yeah, he's a judge with, uh, of Mega City One. Yeah, Mega City One. And in this game, it's kind of a random, it's kind of a random array of uh, villains that you'll fight. But uh, you'll battle against vampires, the undead, and a cadre of dark judges. Um, and you're trying to maintain some semblance of order of this city, which you're in, like very much a, I guess an 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 archaic, just futuristic city, very steampunky, I guess you'd call it, or mm-hmm. like kind of Blade Runner is. Yeah, it's very Blade Runner esque for sure. Yeah, like I actually loved the game when it started up. I was watching it, like just looking at the opening like cutscene. It looks like Doom. It also looks like uh, Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. Yeah, almost twenty years before Cyberpunk 2070, 2077 came out. And I loved it. Like, at first, I was like, wow, this looks really good. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's it looks clean. Like, it looks like what in, like a neo-punk kind of city would look like. And there's nothing like this on GameCube at all. No. My issue with it was when you start to see other characters on screen that just looked <laughs> awful. Like, the enemies that you're yeah. fighting, when they start to move, the people look bad. The vampires look terrible. The undead were janky. Like, the frame rate dips were, were awful. And... I don't know, like just the environments look beautiful. Like a multiplayer game like this looks like it would be a ton of fun, but then just the, the I would not be able to get through the campaign just because of what the characters look like. Like what you're fighting against just looked so bad. Yeah, and that's that's I'd say one of the biggest problems that and the aiming and the camera controls, which often seem yeah. to be problems in these games. But yeah, the they're just such it's such a dip in quality where it's it's like mm-hmm. did someone not render this properly? Like what happened? I, know. I don't know. And like they all look the same too. Like yeah. the the bad guys are all exactly the same. Every vampire looks identical. Every undead looks identical. Like they quickly copied and pasted the enemies on screen. And yeah, it doesn't look like they rendered it right. Like they spent all this time making the city look so good because 
that's probably like the best character in, in Judge Dredd is the city. It's part of it, right? Mm-hmm. Almost like Hell's Kitchen and Daredevil or something. So yeah, they spent all their time making this beautiful environment and then forgot to, again, forgot to fill it. So, hey, at least there's cutscenes here. <laughs> there are cutscenes. Yes, they are cutscenes. They're kind of cheesy, but they yeah. are good. They and actually the audio- uh, are pretty. They're they're pretty uh, done well for the comics. You know, it's it's relatable mm-hmm. in that sense. Uh, if you're familiar with the comics, you will enjoy the story and you will enjoy the cutscenes because they did take a lot of the stuff directly from the source material. So that was nice. Yeah, and the gameplay mechanic in the game is kind of neat where there's a law meter, which we haven't seen too much of, yes. like the whole meter system, which gauges your uh, adherence to the laws of Mega City 1. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it's depleted by firing on those who have not fired first. And uh, so if you run out of space in that meter, you fail the mission. So it's kind of like GTA. Like the more that you do a bad thing, the more... Like, like Fallout 2, you know, yeah, with the your karma. Like, yeah, like a karma meter almost, where the more bad stuff you do, the more of a villain you become. The more good stuff you do, the more of like a hero you become. I love stuff like that. Uh, Demon Souls has that as well with the dark and light uh, mm-hmm. worlds and, and things change based on that. Uh, I, I always find that so interesting. I feel like maybe it's because I don't play... Maybe I'm not playing enough of the right video games, but the games that I do play, I don't think they do this. And like Nintendo no. doesn't do it at all. I guess that's no. why I never see it because <laughs> I've never seen anything like this in a like a licensed Nintendo game. Nothing like that in Mario Golf Super Rush, but uh, <sighs> very unfortunate. Very unfortunate. But yeah, I mean, it looks again, it looks like a cool game, but then it's just like you start to play it, and then it just starts to fall apart, you know. And the game does bring me in pretty well too with the cover art. Like I actually really like the box yeah. art of this game. Yeah, it's a great, great box art. And this is honestly one of the few games that I found people do really like it. It seems to be mm-hmm. there is a cult, cult following around this game. It's the only one that I could find other. Well, we'll there's another one in here, but um, it's, the, it's one of the only ones that I found that a lot of people had good things to say. I looked it up on Reddit, on on the GameCube enthusiast Facebook group, and there were a lot of people saying that this is a hidden gem on on the GameCube. I can see that. Like, I was getting vibes of Geist and Time Splitters 2 almost yep. with this game because it is a futuristic first-person shooter, which, you know, if you can find those out there, then they usually are pretty good if you like that type of game. And it's it can like be perfect. played in two-player co-op the whole game, just like Time yeah, Splitters. Just like Time Splitters, yeah. So there are a lot of neat modes that you can play in. Like, there's multiplayer and arcade mode as well, which is neat. There's over a dozen maps and a bunch of playable characters um, to play as. So it is very much like Time Splitters 2 or even Perfect Dark if you were into that yep. on N64. Um, so yeah, I guess this could be considered a hidden gem on the GameCube. So if you can find it for cheap, I would say picking, picking it up would be a good call. 50 bucks might be a little steep. It's not bad, but I, I think it's only going to go up from there personally. Yep. Mike, let's move on to the next game on our list today, which is Catwoman released on July 20th, 2004. This game was developed by Argonaut Games. It's published by EA. It's also on mm. Game Boy Advance, Microsoft Windows, PlayStation 2, and Xbox This game rates about a 5 out of 10. That's generous. And it's priced today at around $10. It is an action adventure based on the Catwoman film from that year starring Halle Berry. And I would assume it's $10 and the cheap, you know, it's it's the cheapest of all these games because it was published by EA, which means it probably got a lot of copies. Probably. I think they thought the movie was going to be way bigger than it was. This. Oh. Did you see the Catwoman movie from 2004? I have seen it. I did not see it when it came out, but I have seen this movie, and this movie is bad. Yes. It's, it's, it's not Electra bad, but it's it's still bad. This this was the era of kind of attempting to empower female characters. Mm-hmm. You know, we saw it with Charlie's Angels. We see it with Catwoman, Electra. You can see, even say that the Tomb Raider uh, series yeah. as well, and, and a, a lot of other female-led franchises. But unfortunately, 
these movies would often get like the B team of those studios working on them. And so because of that, they didn't fare that well critically or commercially most of the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, But honestly, the bigger problem with these movies was that they, they tried to put these strong female characters more in the spotlight. And, uh, but the problem was, was that they, they still shot and produced it with kind of male gaze in mind. So these female leads were just still as one dimensional sex symbols as they had before, as they had been before. Yeah, they were still overly sexualized characters just without the male lead in the movie. Yeah. Like it, it did not work. Like, it wasn't like Captain Marvel, which, as much as I didn't enjoy that movie, they didn't overly sexualize Brie Larson in that movie, I don't think. Like, she was wearing, you know, skin-tight leather, but it wasn't to the to the point of being like uh, like Batman was or even Catwoman, like, skin-tight leather, but, like, still showing off her ass and her boobs <laughs> and everything. But it's funny because uh, Catwoman in uh, The Batman Returns in 1992, played by Michelle Pfeiffer, I thought mm. that was actually a really good... Catwoman. Like, well, that... Neil, now that you mentioned that, I, I wanted to rank our, our Catwomans here because okay. Michelle Pfeiffer, she's my number one. Love her. Okay. Um, Got it. Eartha Kitt from the uh, the old the, Batman. The yeah, 66. Love her. She has that such a, I can't even do her impression, but she talks like this, you know. <laughs> uh, it's such a good voice. So, uh, so iconic. Anne Hathaway killed it in Dark Knight yeah. Rises, I think. I think she's the best part of that movie. She mm-hmm. did way better than I would have expected her to in that role. Um, and then uh, after that, they kind of all blend together. I'd say Halle Berry is probably the worst one of them Easily. all. What about you, Neil? Uh, I love Michelle Pfeiffer. She's probably Just Pfeiffer. up there. It's not Pfeiffer. Oh, I say Pfeiffer. Uh, <laughs> I love Michelle Pfeiffer. Uh, I, it's because of Key and Peele. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I love Michelle Pfeiffer in the 90, 1992 movie, Batman Returns. I think she's a really cool so character. Good. I love Anne Hathaway as Catwoman in the 2012 film. I think you're right. She is probably the best part of that movie. So yeah. they're tied for my one and two. I or my number one, I guess. I, I think I would say Michelle Pfeiffer as uh, as number one. Nice. And then I didn't watch the Batman series with Adam West all that much, so I have a tough time uh, ranking like Eartha Kitt in there. Mm-hmm. And I also didn't watch the Gotham series where uh, there was a young version of Selena Kyle uh, played by an actress as well. Um, mm. So I can't even compare to that. So there have been a bunch of TV series and movies that she's appeared in that I just haven't seen. So I've only really seen her in three different roles, and the third one being Halle Berry. I have <laughs> I, I, I saw that movie when it came out. I think we rented it from Blockbuster. I have no memory of it at all. <laughs> no, I just remember it was, I didn't like Like, it, yeah, it was just bad. That's all I remember about it. Overall, worldwide, it, it grossed about $82 million on a production budget of $100 million. So <laughs> terrible plot or terrible flop. And uh, the plot of That's the video bad. game uh, follows pretty much the, the movie. I mean, it, it's a movie based on it's a video game based on a movie. And, you know, it's Catwoman. Like, she's a bit of a stealth character. She has a bunch of different, not powers, but she's very, I guess, stealthy and acrobatic. Mm-hmm. The game looked boring as hell watching it. I couldn't it even watch more boring. than two minutes of it, man. This 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 looks like a, a terrible Let's Play. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Uh, there's some nice things about it. I'd say the graphics are overall pretty well done. Uh, I do like the the menus. Uh, everything looks quite clean. I think the the HUD is nice as well and, and very unique. Uh, in terms of the points and everything that you're getting in your little uh, your bar on the side, uh, I liked. Yep. They they did a lot of unique things with this game, but mm-hmm. it's all surface level things. You know, the the core gameplay and the core mechanics of the, of this title are just just awful. Yeah, and it's very short too. Like it's only five or six hours long. So yeah. I'm glad it's. I I don't know if this was a budget title when it came out. It might have been. I hope it was. If this was a full price game and you paid that for the game, I'm very sorry. 
Graphically, the game doesn't look terrible. Like the lighting and the shadow effects actually look pretty good. The game for the most part is very dark because you're Catwoman, you sneak around at night. And they, they made the game look pretty decent like because, you know, she, she's pretty shiny with her black uh, black leather. And then the shadows in the rooms that you're in, like they all look fine. You can kind of see where they're going with like the Arkham City games that came out just a few years after this. But the ga- the camera does do the that thing that we talk about, Mike, on the Charlie's Angels episode where it changes angles when you <sighs> oh turn gosh. a corner, which is annoying as hell Infuriating. When you're, for combat and traversal it's hell because you all of a sudden have to switch the controller around basically so yeah that that camera uh, the camera hop thing we need to come up with a term for that is <laughs> present in this game as well so it just sucks because this game could have had potential like all these games uh mm-hmm. it, it could have been a fully stealth game you know it could have been like yeah. a thief or a metal gear explorer uh, cell yeah there there's so many uh, opportunities because that's all Selena Kyle is. That's that's her whole of the game is that she's stealth. You know she's a thief. I know, and, yeah. and she does it so well. And and instead they just made it like just a combat beat 'em up game almost. And, and yeah. that's why this game really sucks more than anything. Yeah, Catwoman is not a fighter. Like she's not a brawler. Like she's no. A, there's nothing wrong with that. Like she's a sneaky person. She's also very manipulative, which there was none of that in this game. Like the way no. that she no. kind of screws with Batman's head. Like seeing this character without uh, without Batman is just super weird. Like, and not that she has to have Batman to be interesting, but I don't really know what you could have done with this character. Stealth, like, with well, this the stealth, game. like the Ste- I guess yeah, stealth yeah. would have been the best yeah. thing possible. It, I would have I would have enjoyed it a lot if this was lit- like you know like yeah like the game Thief, which is all stealth. And it's all about making sure that you don't get caught anywhere. I would have yeah. loved that for this game. It would have been so interesting. Yeah, and maybe like there is like uh, hints or even like a random cutscene where he shows up. But maybe there are other DC characters like Batman or maybe even Nightwing or Robin coming yeah. because Batman's doing something else. Like have something or have someone from Batman's family show up at some point when she's you know getting out of hand. Like yeah, it's the it's a movie tie-in. It was made to make money. That's why EA published it. This is definitely a bargain bin game. I would like to say one more thing just about the film. A great sure. review here that says, Less said about this film, the better. When a Catwoman solo film was originally conceived, it was set to star Michelle Pfeiffer, who would be reprising her role from Batman Returns. Uh, after spending some years in development hell, Catwoman would finally be released in 2004. It wasn't great. Halle Berry nope. re- replaced Michelle Pfeiffer, and the plot was so asinine it barely made sense. It's <laughs> almost as if the producers of this film said to each other, Just put Halle Berry in a mask and leather, and the nerds will pay to see her. Well, some of them did, but for the most part, Catwoman bombed. Yep. Mike, let's move on to another game on our list for today, which was Fantastic Four, released on July 27th, 2005. This game was developed by Seven Studios. It's published by Activision. It's also on PlayStation 2, Xbox, Windows, and Game Boy Advance. It rates about a 6 out of 10, priced today at around $10 to $15, and it's an action-adventure beat-em-up not really in the style of X-Men Legends, but similar to that, I guess. Uh, let's talk about the Fantastic Four, though, real quick. Mm-hmm. The first issue was released in 1961, so happy 60th anniversary to the Fantastic Four. The mm. characters were created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. Uh, let's just give a shout-out to Jack Kirby real quick, because he doesn't get enough love um, from Marvel fans. Stan Lee takes a lot of credit for characters, but Jack Kirby also had a huge role in a lot of these characters' early designs as well. I, I mean, I love how Stan Lee appeared in so many movies. Like, it was really, it became like a meme, Stan Lee showing Literally up in meme. the Marvel films. <laughs> but like I said at the beginning of the episode, this was pre the Marvel era where everything was memed. And seeing Stan Lee in movies, everyone talked about that. Like, did you see Stan Lee in the movie? Like, who's Stan Lee? Like, it was really that time where we didn't know who this old man was yet as kids. I'm sure yeah. if you were in your 20s or teens even when the, when these movies came out, you, you probably noticed. I didn't know that the first time the Fantastic Four were adapted into a film was 19. 19- 
1994. It was actually never released in theaters, but you can find bootleg copies of it on VHS and torrents on the internet. So there is a 1994 Fantastic Four film out there, but most people know them or know the movies to start with the 2005 and 2007 movies, which at the at the time were okay. Like I loved them. I think. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I, I, I'm so glad that we're on the same page here. Yeah, and we saw at least one of them in theaters together. And uh, yeah. I, I just, I mean, so Jessica Alba was definitely my my uh, my crush when I was a uh, when I was a kid. Eh. So was Avril oh, Lavigne okay. too, though. So uh, you know, nice. Uh, definitely okay. still are. And I, uh, <laughs> I I love the Fantastic Four movies. I thought they were great. Yeah. Uh, they were perfect for that time. They were mm-hmm. they, they were. I think I've seen Fantastic Four one again like recently. And it's it's still fine. It's not bad. Uh, it's better than the new Fantastic Four. That thing is a garbage fire. That's the thing is that the two thousands movies kind of got overshadowed by the twenty fifteen Fantastic Four reboot, which was made by Fox, and that movie bombed. Uh, that had a budget of one hundred and fifty five million, and worldwide grossed one hundred and sixty eight million. So that movie lost a ton of money compared Good. to the originals, which both grossed about three hundred and thirty million worldwide. Uh, so the original ones were actually way more uh, were way more successful and, and critically successful too. You. Yeah, for the most part, I think film critics would probably say you know they're just cheap comic book cash ins, which is fair. Like yeah. they were, but better but than the, the 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 new one, which is just the only cash in that didn't cash yeah. in. <laughs> Absolutely atrocious, and like they made the characters look pretty close to their comic book likeness. Yeah, like you said, Jessica Alba looked really good. I also really liked Chris Evans as the Human Torch. Yeah, uh, before before he was Captain America, I enjoy him more so. as Human Torch. I will I will say that forever. It was a fun movie, and it was at the time when, like, we were innocent. We weren't tired of seeing superhero no. origin stories yet, where seeing their origin story was actually really fun. Uh, watching space. them turn into aliens. They went to space, and then they had to deal with getting powers all of a sudden, and uh, the thing loses his mind a little bit when he uh, he finds out that he's turned into the thing. And the Fantastic Four are now under the Disney umbrella now, so I look forward to seeing what they do with them. Probably see another Fantastic Four reboot within the next three to five years, mm-hmm. if I had to guess. Uh, but uh, going back to the video game here, uh, there's only five Fantastic Four games that I could find. So there aren't too many. These characters do appear in other games like the Ultimate Alliance series. And I think they're also in the Lego Marvel games as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the plot of this game very much follows the Fantastic Four movie, the the first uh, movie. But it also throws in a bunch of characters and uh, villains from uh, that were not in the movie, such as the Yancey Street Gang. Nick Fury, Mole Man, Diablo, Puppet Master, Dragon Man, uh, Blastar, and Annihilus hmm. are all in the game, but are obviously not in the movie. So it's very much like the Spider-Man and Spider-Man 2 plot, where it follows the plot of the movie, but also throws in comic book characters that I had no idea who they were at the time, because I didn't read Fantastic Four comics, but it was a good sort of gateway into those characters. And I actually rented, a fun story about how I own this game, uh, but I actually rented the Fantastic Four game, I believe it was, two, it must have been 2006 from Blockbuster, and I was obsessed with it. Like, I played it for hours every day. I just loved superheroes. Yeah. I loved Spider-Man, I loved X-Men, I loved Fantastic Four, Ghost Rider, all of those mid-2000s superhero films. I ate them up, like, no, no tomorrow. And I had to return the Fantastic Four game to Blockbuster eventually. My weekend was up or whatever. My week was up. Uh-huh. And I think I, I must have gone through some sort of child version of depression for a bit. And uh, like I wanted to get it again. I, wanted, yeah. I kept asking my mom to rent it again. I want to play it. I want to beat it. And eventually, Mike, you remember this, that we, you know, we talk about my paper route that I had. And one day I went outside because I used to load up the papers on the bundle buggy before I took them out. And one day I went out after loading up my bundle buggy with my newspapers and the Fantastic Four game, like new sealed, was on top of the stack (sighs) of newspapers. 
I lost my mind. It's such a nice memory. Like it's such a it, it, so many people have those memories with like amazing games like, <laughs> yeah. Super, like Super Mario 64 and yeah. Ocarina of Time. I have those memories with like Fantastic 4 on GameCube where I was just jumping around like I was so excited to like finally play this game and beat it, which I did. And like I got to play as Mr. Fantastic and the thing and everything and I just like had so much joy for this game for some reason. Uh because I went back to play it this week and it doesn't age super well. It's not unplayable, though. Like, I'm going to defend that this game is not as bad as current reviewers are reviewing it as. No, it, it's... And, you know, I've never played it, but I've, I've seen you play it before uh, yeah. when we were kids. And I always liked it. I always liked the idea of it. And I think I still do today because of the variation. You know, the games that we've talked about today really don't have any variation uh, in terms of your moveset, in terms of what you can do, the characters that you can choose. This one, you're actually able to choose those four characters and that all have different moves and you kind of have to learn how they go. Uh, obviously, most of it's just A and B that you're pressing to, to fight people. But but still, it's right. it feels like you're at least progressing somewhat in the game by doing different things yeah you're running down the corridor fighting enemies as the four as the fantastic four and yeah. you can swap between characters yes. if you choose to there's certain missions where you have to play as certain characters to progress obviously but it's really fun to just see all the characters on screen together fighting yeah it's like watching action fi- it's like fighting with your action figures or like what we talked about a few weeks ago with uh, teen titans it was basically like that for me as a fan of the fantastic four films and like all the characters came back and reprised their roles. Uh, they, they brought back the voice acting. It was funny because as I was playing the game, I was trying to decide if they were using the actors' likenesses because like it looked like they were trying, but they didn't quite yeah. get there. I, I think that they were trying to get the, the actors' likenesses, but they just couldn't. I was trying to find out, like, is that supposed to be Chris Evans? Is that supposed to be Jessica Alba? I can't tell. I, I know. know. It's hard. <laughs> is that yeah, supposed to be the it's, thing? It's funny. I know. <laughs> is that the thing? Things real likeness, I don't know. But yeah, I, 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 even the second movie, man, like the Fantastic Four: Rise of the Silver Surfer. I love I saw Silver that Surfer. One. Yeah, such a cool character, man. And the movie was really good too. Like I enjoyed it. My, my sister loves those movies too. I but yeah, we I definitely have the nostalgia glasses on with it. But it, it, you know oh, yeah. what? I I love those movies. I always will. So, mm-hmm. and the game is very repetitive. Like if you do pick up this game just know that it is a 3d action beat em up that it's the same thing over and over again but since it does take place for the most part indoors and you're on these corridors the the levels are not empty like we talked about with superman and aquaman and like they just they filled everything with yes with, uh, destructible environments and you can throw things at enemies which is fun and each level also has like many uh uh, many challenges to complete, like uh, defeat a certain number of enemies. And so it, it's got a little bit of added difficulty there, but mm-hmm. it's not going to knock your socks off or anything. And uh, graphically, it, it's nothing to, to, to scream from the rooftops. But I, I, I have it up there with like my memories of playing Spider-Man 2 and Nightfire, to be honest. And I was glad I got to go back to it this week because it brought back a lot of nice memories. Nice, nice. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the last two games of the day before we close out. This has been a really long episode, but uh, okay. So we have The Hulk, which was released on May 27th, 2003, developed by Radical Entertainment and published by Universal Interactive. It's also on Game Boy Advance, PlayStation 2, Xbox, and Windows. This game rates about a 7 out of 10, priced around $50 today, and is considered a beat-em-up. And then we had another Hulk game, which was The Incredible Hulk Ultimate Destruction, released on August 25th, 2005. This game was developed by Radical Entertainment, uh, same developers as Monsters, Inc. Scream Arena, so this could have gone horribly. (laughs) It's published by Vivendi Universal Games. It's also on PlayStation 2 and Xbox, rates about an 8 out of 10, priced uh, between $40 and $50, and is again another beat-em-up with The Incredible Hulk. So let's talk about The Hulk, Mike. 
Ah, uh, the Hulk. I loved the Hulk growing up, uh, as I think most the uh, most little little kids uh, do, because he's just it's so fun. And he's uh, b- before Marvel, because he is actually quite a bit different than he used to be. Because before these new Marvel movies, the Hulk was also an antihero. You know, he just mm-hmm. did whatever he wanted. Uh, he didn't yeah. really team up with people. He was with the Avengers, but he was kind of loosely affiliated with them. Uh, and he did he did his own thing. Uh, I remember watching the Lou Ferrigno show. Uh, mm-hmm. when I was a kid and I remember watching Ang Lee's The Hulk, which yes. was the first, really the first time we got like the auteur super, uh, superhero movie, uh, mm-hmm. where we had a director not known for making, uh, action movies, uh, taking a stab at, uh, at The Hulk. Obviously mm-hmm. Christopher Nolan, uh, perfected it with the Dark Knight trilogy, uh, right. but Ang Lee ha- tried it. That movie was just too much looking at a door the entire time. I'm not sure if yeah, you remember that, that movie, Neil. Oh, I do. I do. I have that movie on VHS, believe it or not. I meant to go back and watch it this week as well, <laughs> but I didn't have the time. That's okay. <laughs> I, I meant to. I got that movie for my birthday. I think it might have been my like my ninth birthday or something. I don't know. But I, I remember finding it very boring. It is. Like you're expecting the Hulk movie to be very like action-y and very like eye candy for a kid, like watching the Transformers Michael Bay film style yeah. of effects. The effects are not, not the problem. I think the Hulk looks fine for the time. But yeah, it's a it's a really boring movie. The Incredible Hulk that came out a few years later that's actually tied into the Marvel Universe I thought was quite a bit better. The Ed uh, Norton that one? That was the time. The Ed Norton one, yeah. Mm-hmm. But that was the time where with those two Hulk films, actually, I think that they captured what Hulk is much better because he is on his own. Like the military is very much involved and against him, which was a big part of yeah. the Hulk's comics as well. Yep. And also the – I love the uh, the Incredible Hulk cartoon from what, the 60s? Yes. I think it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like really basic animation. Like it's nothing like what you'd see today. It's kind of like the Spider-Man animated series from the 50s and 60s, which are also really fun to watch. Mm-hmm. That that's my history with the Hulk. Mainly are the those few movies, and then the cartoon. I didn't watch a lot of the. Or I didn't read a lot of the comics. Uh, I didn't know this, but the original Hulk uh, was actually canceled after issue number six hmm. uh, in 1963. Uh, so they uh, they and then they kind of moved him over into the Avengers comics. Interesting. And that, that saved him. That's it. Yeah. So he and he also guest starred in the Fantastic Four as well in yes. the same year, 1963, which was funny. Uh, so after that, he kind of got his own, I guess he started building up momentum, no pun intended, uh, after that, and then became a much bigger hero, uh, after that. Like you see Hulk back in the day when we were kids, I remember seeing Hulk t-shirts all over the place. Oh yeah. Hulk was a, Hulk was a very big deal back before Iron Man and Captain America were the, the heroes. Like it really was like Spider-Man and the Hulk were kind of the two superheroes for me that I remember. Um, yeah, there's only five standalone Hulk games, a bit like the Fantastic Four, not a huge video game standalone seller. But uh, Hulk Ultimate Destruction is considered – like that's considered a hidden gem, I think. That's a very mm-hmm. good game. Like reviews in- extremely well. It ages very well. It's a fun beat em up game where you get to destroy the cities and everything. So well, let's talk about Ultimate Destruction a bit more, I think, than than the Hulk game. Yeah, let's do that one first. That that one yeah. is the one that was released latest. That's a 2006 game? Five game? 2005, 2005 game. Yeah, and, and it looks like it. It looks much more polished than some of these earlier games that we were talking about, which is crazy. Just two years, Neil. But back then, two years that's made a, a huge of, difference. That's a lot of time, man. <laughs> that, that's the difference between the N64 and the GameCube. Like, it's, <laughs> it's huge. And, and, and he, the Hulk looks good. The The gameplay is smooth. Uh, it's the, like, the graphics look nice. The cutscenes are whatever. I don't care about the Hulk story, and neither does anyone else. You just want to no. go around and smash stuff. Yeah, and, it's a demolition derby game. Yeah. Like yeah. The fact that you can, like, this this is what 
I kind of wanted Spawn to be. This is what Spawn could have been. Just this okay. this free-for-all smashing things, the, the military's against you. Uh, this feels a lot like Ultimate Spider-Man in the same way of, of playing as Venom. Uh, and I think mm-hmm. they really got it right here. Uh, it's it's just a very fun game. That there, there is a lot going on on screen, which was maybe one of the, the criticisms I have of this game. The, the HUD, mm-hmm. it, there's a, a lot of... A lot of action happening. I, I I would have liked to see the Hulk zeroed in on a little bit more instead of all mm. this stuff and all these hints coming at you. But yeah, uh, I I really enjoyed uh, enjoyed watching this game. Yeah, they took all of the good parts of the Hulk, the standalone Hulk game based on the movie. They took all the the kind of the stuff out that was negatively reviewed, which specifically were the stealth missions. Like they put stealth missions in the Hulk game, which is just dumb. I don't know what they were thinking there. Well, I know what they were thinking. The stealth missions for the most part are put into games to to expand the time of yeah. the game that you're playing. Like it's to add extra time to pad it a little bit, which is like the worst part of Spider-Man on Spider-Man on PS4. Yeah. But yeah, it's really neat. Like you can unlock different versions of the Hulk as well like yep. joe fix it gray hulk which if you don't know when the hulk first came out he was not green he was gray because they didn't want to give the hulk any sort of ethnicity or anything mm. they wanted him to just kind of to be this colorless character that he could be anything he could be black he could be white but eventually they gave him green you can also unlock uh, abomination who's a, a villain yep. and then there's also a version of uh, the hulk that you can unlock where you basically fight as bruce but he doesn't transform into the hulk but you still have all the rage and power of the Hulk, which oh, is that's hilarious. Cool. <laughs> yeah, like there's a bit of fun stuff in there. Yeah, it almost reminds. It almost is like the uh, the Tony Hawk Underground of Hulk, where they gave it just a little bit of goofiness, which I think you need in a Hulk game. Like there needs to be you some do. level of cartooniness to it because it's not realistic. Like it's like I know that we're talking about superheroes here, but the Hulk is getting into the, the zone of being like Superman where it's just out of this realm of being realistic. Like <laughs> something like Batman is at least grounded, but yeah, I, I like it when Hulk gets a little bit cartoony because he's just this big green dude running around destroying the military. It's hilarious. It, one thing that they did well, and I think this is something that I wish a lot more superhero games would, would take note of is the fact that he's very floaty, even though he's mm-hmm. uh, like when he's doing his jumps, he can jump very high and he can kind of do this little arm wiggle that makes him go even farther. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's it's really fun to do that when you're the Hulk because you're kind of pseudo flying at this point, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, he's ha- he has these massive hops, which he kind of does in the comics and in movies. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. But a lot of video games, you know, a, a, a worse video game developer wouldn't do that. They just think of the Hulk as this massive bloated character who would be very slow. You know, clearly the gameplay is sped up here, which I love. Yeah. Uh, it feels like a very fast-paced moving game where normally a Hulk game you would think would be very slow, and I got to give them credit here. Yeah, the Hulk is not meant to be a heavy character. Like, I remember watching the cartoon, and even the cartoon nailed his physics, which is funny (laughs) to say, but, like, he was very floaty, and really, as much as I I love Mark Ruffalo as uh, Bruce Banner in The Avengers, I think that the last time we really saw the Hulk shine on screen was in the 2012 Avengers film. I haven't really liked how they've handled him since then. No, it's kind of been weird, almost. It's like he doesn't exist anymore. Like, it's, I I don't, and he, he, he almost plays such a minor role now. I know. Like, he was in, he was in uh, the Age of Ultron, which was fine. I, again, that movie was whatever. But then he also appeared in Thor Ragnarok, where he mostly just played Mark Ruffalo. Mm-hmm. He was in there briefly, and we had that fantastic joke where I know him from work, which was really <laughs> funny. And then he was in Infinity War and Endgame, but he was he was uh, first of all he was Bruce Banner who couldn't transform, which was weird. And then then he was uh, Professor Hulk, 
which is actually a comic book series where he's kind of that in-between scientist yeah. and Hulk, which I get what they were going for. But I, I like the Hulk being the smash, smash everything, kind Hulk of a smash. big dumb yeah, Hulk smash, like the big dumb green gorilla that we got in <laughs> Avengers. The final fight was just so – that was the coolest part of the whole movie was watching Hulk destroy all the aliens and destroy the city too. Yeah. Really fun stuff. And that, that's where that's where I love the Hulk and that's where he is in Hulk Ultimate Destruction. But I wonder if they'll give the Hulk another standalone film. I'm sure that – well, there's She-Hulk. She-Hulk's been announced, so scratch that. There you go. But uh, the, the, the video game is actually not based on the movie even though it came out around the same time. It's a, it takes place eight years after the film. Hmm. So Bruce Banner has possibly found a cure to his condition um, found by his old mentor, Dr. Crawford. Uh, Crawford is actually trying to basically steal Hulk DNA to become the villain Ravage. Uh, and then throughout the adventure, Hulk also encounters villains such as Half-Life, Leader, Flux, and Madman. So it takes place after the film. And yeah, I mean, it's a it's a movie tie-in that, that's kind of like a sequel to the movie, which is neat. We haven't seen that yet, really. No, there's only a few. There's only a few games that do that. And yeah, we've talked about that before. But with movie tie-ins, that's, they usually do that because they don't have the scripts at that point when the movie is being made. Right. It's a smart idea. Yeah. It's better off to make like a prequel or a sequel to the movie that you're making your game on. I mean, this is hindsight 2020 because movie tie-ins don't really exist anymore. <laughs> uh, but the game was overall praised for graphics, music, gameplay. The controls were fine. They were nice. It was mainly just uh, it was mainly just criticized for those stealth levels that were kind of thrown in there to uh, to beef up the gameplay. Um, but yeah, uh, and also you know a very linear game as well. Yeah. which it's you're gonna get a linear game. It's a it's a movie tie-in. So I don't know. What we were expecting, but it's, it's something you kind of have to criticize. It's just tough because because we have this ultimate destruction that also exists at this time. You know, it, it clearly is the better of the two. And mm -hmm. so it's it, Hulk is, is a fine game. If, if ultimate destruction didn't exist, I'd probably praise Hulk a lot more. But ultimate mm -hmm. destruction does exist. So that is by far the better game. Yeah, and it did come out later. So obviously improvements were made. Mm -hmm. Playboy actually reviewed the Hulk, Ooh. which is fun. They said uh, they thought the game was, quote, linear and short, but fun. So that's uh, yeah. proof, that proof, ladies and gentlemen, that Playboy are in the camp that it's not always about size, but it's about how you use it. <laughs> there we go. You know, there we go. <laughs> Let's end it on that note, Mike. I think it's time that we uh, go into our closing thoughts about the superhero games. Mm -hmm. let's let's do it there are a lot of different franchises we talked about today neil but let, let's yeah. just let's go over just whichever ones that you would love to see kind of come back or 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 see the future of and i just want to talk about judge dread for a second that'll that's gonna be my my topic here because okay. I, I i think judge dread has such potential and promise mm -hmm. And we did get, you know, a newish uh, movie, uh, I guess almost 10 years ago now. So, God. <laughs> yeah, not that new anymore. Yeah, not that new anymore. Uh, but so at least the franchise is buzzing a little bit there. Uh, I would love to see a TV series. I think a Netflix series or something like that would be great for Judge Dredd because it's not a Marvel or DC property. Uh, it has the ability to go somewhere else. And I, I, I love the... I love the the universe and the backstory of of Judge Dredd being almost like you said in that Blade Runner style yeah. uh, world and with these kind of uh, backwards rules. It's it's very interesting and I I would love to see it continue in some way. Will we get a game for Judge Dredd? Well, maybe if the TV series that I'm creating uh, does well, maybe we'll do a little bit of a spinoff game. Maybe it, it would bring back like uh, the time where we, we got a TV show and a game come out at the exact same time. I think that you could make something along those lines. I think that the whole neo punk thing is definitely ripe for video games. For mm -hmm. some reason, it doesn't seem like 
we can get it right. Like Cyberpunk 2077, I think it has been fixed quite a bit since it came out. But to have like a Judge Dredd yeah. character in that world, and it doesn't have to be an open world like Cyberpunk. No. I would be fine with it being a linear experience, eight to ten hours, get in, get out, and then have some multiplayer in there as well. I yeah. think you could definitely make this game a polished, you know, 2021 first-person shooter uh, game, which would be a lot of fun. I, lo- I love what you're thinking there, Mike. My my thought process was actually I would love a good Aquaman game to come out. Mm. Very now, nice. here's what I'm thinking. I want, <laughs> I want an Aquaman game set in the real world, basically, where I don't want like supernatural, you know, creatures and everything. Maybe the villain is supernatural. Like bring back Black Manta seems to be his only arch nemesis. Mm-hmm. So that's fine. <laughs> but uh, I would love to have like an exploration Aquaman game where I'm exploring the ocean a bit like, uh, do you remember the Wii game Endless Ocean? Yes, I do. I do. Yeah, a bit like a bit like that, where I'm just exploring the ocean. I get to go see sharks and whales as Aquaman, and then maybe I'm fighting some characters or, or whatever. That that, but that part of the game is actually when the game ends. I would like like an Arkham Asylum based game as Aquaman, where I'm basically exploring Atlantis that has been overrun by something. I don't yeah. know what. I don't know enough about the Atlantis world, but I just think that the Arkham Asylum formula for superhero games was so perfect. Because it felt like an open world, but it was all based on this island or this building, basically, yeah. which was perfect. I think when Arkham City came out, it was a fun game, but I think it just got too big. And then Arkham Knight was just way too big. Uh, but to have this just – I love it when video game stories, if the developers can just show some restraint and make a game based on a single location, like what we're getting with Hogwarts Legacy. Like I'm hoping that that just takes place in Hogwarts. I don't want to explore all of Europe as a, as a wizard. <laughs> you know, like I would love it if yeah, I could just yeah. explore this castle. I love video games that take place in a single location. But they really dive deep into that location. Like you can go into every crevice of it and mm-hmm. like the basement and, and whatever. Like I would love – an uh, I think an Aquaman like that could actually be pretty cool. But there are no video games around just the, the, the setting of Atlantis. No, so, there are – no. I think it's yeah. – I think there is an opportunity especially to make something – that works well in that underwater, you know, vibe because in that that Aquaman that we talked about today, that's not underwater. That's just flying. Yeah, you're flying. It's <laughs> it's not it's not meant to be underwater at all. No. This one would be a lot more like a, a swimming simulator, I guess. Like yeah. it would be, it would be a swimming game. Like I know that you don't love those games, but then the the sandbox part where you get the open ocean and the fish, that would be more like a just cause game where you can kind of screw around and do whatever yeah. you want with like sharks and whales. I think that would be just a ton of fun. I like that. Uh, a bit like Endless Ocean on Wii. But we don't have those games yet, Mike. So which game from the list of games that we talked about today would you recommend the folks out there pick up? I think that if Ultimate Destruction did not exist on here, Neil, I would pick the Judge Dredd game because it just is so unique for the GameCube. Mm -hmm. I literally don't think there is anything else like this, especially that's rated M. But mm-hmm. because Ultimate Destruction does exist, I got to pick that. It's a, It looks like such a fun time, uh, a great hidden gem. I never hear anyone talk about this, uh, especially before um, before doing this episode and, and doing the research. I really hadn't heard much about Ultimate Destruction before. And mm-hmm. yeah, it looks like an amazing time. I definitely recommend it. I would, I mean, yeah, Ultimate Destruction is the easy choice for this for this episode. Uh, I would recommend that if you do have a different uh, console like the PlayStation 2 to pick it up there because it is quite a bit cheaper on those consoles. It's one of those games that is just way more expensive on GameCube, which is unfortunate. Mm-hmm. And then I, I won't go Judge Dredd. I'll pick a different game for my second choice. My runner-up would have to be Fantastic Four. Yeah, just because of your memories. Nostalgic. It's nostalgic glasses. I think the Fantastic Four movies from this era were great, and the movie tie-in was also really fun. 
and I never played the Rise of the Silver Surfer video game, so I can't talk about that one, unfortunately, but I think if you just have, you know, you want to pick up a quick budget, you know, you have an extra 10 or 15 bucks in your wallet at the end of the day, and you find this game at a video game store, you might have a fun time. You can also play it with a friend, which is neat. It's got that co-op element. Uh, so yeah, Fantastic Four would be my pickup uh, if Ultimate Destruction was not on this list. But it is, Neil, and it's a great game. It is. It is, Mike. But why don't you let the listeners know what they can expect next week on the GameCube was Cool podcast. Next week, in honor of the Olympics, we're going to talk about just a bunch of random sports games because that's what the Olympics are, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> we're going to be talking about tennis, bowling, uh-huh. volleyball, poker, because where else do you put poker? Is uh, poker an Olympic sport? Uh, I don't think so, but uh, <laughs> I'm not sure where else to put it. So we're putting yeah. it in this uh, in this random sports games episode. And um, yeah, it's going to be fun, Neil. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I've done a little bit of research on these games already, and a few of them look fairly interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, surprising, actually, that a poker game or a pool game uh, can actually be, be fun. But, hey, that's the whole point of this podcast is that we're finding random games that we nev- you never have picked up a billiards game. But maybe after next week, you will. That's right. But until then, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to Episode 60 of the GameCube is Cool podcast. We have new episodes every Thursday on all the major podcast services. Leave us ratings and reviews so we can make the show better. If you want to support the show, you can find us on Patreon. We are The GameCube Was Cool. And then you can follow us on Instagram for free. We are at The GameCube Pod. Share us with your friends and family. Tell Aquaman Mike says hi. Thank you so much for the support, and we will see you next week. Hulk smash! Over 600 games you've never heard of. GameCube. The product of what happens when you think inside the box. Game.